lights, camera, we're going live. Learn the ins and outs of live events from today's top business leaders and how to make yours epic. Here's your host, Aaron Smith. All right, welcome to another episode of Epic Live Events. I've got Lisa Duty here of Rocks Digital Creator. She has been doing events since 2012. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me today, Erin. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm excited to have you because I've watched you with Rocks Digital, like you said, five years now. Um, you're still going back strong. You're still doing this. And I, I just would love to know the lessons learned. We're going to get deep into why you started. Uh, so thank you so much for coming here. And let's talk the start. So when you started Rocks Digital back in 2012, I know you were doing social media consulting. Initially, you aligned it with social media day, correct? Can you tell a little bit about the story where you're like, I'm going to do a large event? So how it actually started Technically, Aaron, in 10, 2011, I had the idea that I wanted to do an event, and but Social Media Day was only like two weeks away at this time, and there was no way I was going to pull off a big event in two weeks. So I called uh, Fred Campos, who had Fun City Social Media at the time, and I said, Fred, we need to celebrate Social Media Day in a big way. Nobody's doing anything really in the Dallas, Fort Worth area. we got to do something. And so we decided to have a... Twitter versus Facebook standoff. And so we had a we had a one hour event at the Texas Love and War in Grapevine, halfway between the areas. And it was totally free, packed room. We had like 60, 70 people in the room, and it was just like a two-hour, everybody bought their own lunch, and we just had a great time. And so that's really kind of how it started for me. And then it came around to 2012, and again. I didn't think of it until short notice. So in 2012, right at the end of April, I started planning the first ever social media day celebration in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Now, a lot of people were doing like tweet ups and meet ups and all that kind of stuff. But as far as I can find online, I was actually the first one to ever have an all day social media day conference in 2012, anywhere around the world that I could find, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, cool. And so back then it was called DFW Rocks Social Media Day. That's how I started it. And um, the tickets were really cheap. They were $30, Aaron, if you wow. if you registered early, right? And we had it at the Social House in Addison. Because, I mean, after all, you're having a social media day event. has to be at the Social House, right? Yep. And so that's really how it got started. I sold out of tickets within three weeks. The venue only holded 100 people. People were begging me, texting me like crazy for tickets. It, it was nuts. I actually had somebody the night before the conference that said they couldn't come, right? And a lady had been texting me on the phone, begging me for a ticket. And I told her some ridiculous number. I was like, show up at the door, like 75 bucks cash, I'll let you in. She was torturing me, right? Wow. And so she showed up and she came and, and literally um, me and three other speakers they're waiting room for us to sit. <laughs> like, it was so packed. So we spent like eight hours either sitting in this small bench on the side or in another room. So it was, it was awesome. And that's how it started. And, and from there, it was just like, I got to keep doing this because, because I love educating people about social media and digital marketing and the things they can do to grow their business. So um, that's kind of how it started for me. 
I love it. I love, I mean, what a great problem to have as your first large, like larger event to say, sorry, I sold out. Like you've got people begging you for a ticket. This is like the dream of any event organizer. So that is awesome. So talk about the leap that you made from, you know, doing the, the, the yard or the social house to you've moved into bigger venues. You've grown the conference. Talk about that strategy kind of year after year of how you've gotten to, to keep growing it. Well, it's really, it's really interesting because, you know, being and until 2014, that's when we rebranded to rocks digital, but 2012, 13 and 14, it was just me planning the whole thing. And then of course I had like some volunteers. Robin Moss was a big help. John Nozzle has been a help every year. Patty farmers helped with things. You know, I've had some help, but for the core of it, I planned it all. And every year there's a lot of risk with budget and, you know, it's ner- that's one of my biggest things is, is this thing going to pay for itself? Yes. And so I negotiated a deal with the, the set the, when I moved to another venue, I negotiated a deal with Holiday Inn um, and I had to pay for any venue space back then. I just had to pay for people's food. And so the second year and the budget was around, I want to say three thousand uh, dollars. Oh. Yeah, and 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 the tickets were like a hundred bucks. The Good early the early started. Um, I want to say it's seventy five or something. And every year, honestly, I keep the ticket prices really low. Aaron, like my early mm-hmm. registration is like a hundred dollars. It always it's had to go up a little bit, but I've kept it as low as I could because my goal with having Rocks Digital is to educate the community, and I want anybody that wants to come to be able to afford a ticket. And so I've always kept it low. I love, I love that. I love the, you're, you're very tied to the mission of it. How does, okay. So you work to, you know, obviously cover your costs. Like you said, we talked earlier before we hit record. I'm like, this is one of the most resource intense things you're going to do time-wise and money-wise. Like even when you get it cheap, there's nothing, there's nothing cheap about an event. I disappear Uh, for about three months every year, just planning it. Meet a hundred percent. So how did, did you initially, I know you kind of like, let's do this. Did you have plans to tie it to your business? Did you know that it would, you know, cause you can't disappear for three months and not get something, you know, just to break even. Right. Right. So did you have an alignment with your business initially? Did it kind of just I, I know stuff had to have happened after your first one for you business-wise. So how did that work out where you said, this is how, I know this is going to take a lot, but this is how this is going to pay off. So for me, it was all about brand building. I mean, my brand just blew up. I mean, today I can call people that I never could have reached before because they've heard of my conference. All I have to do is name drop. They might not know my name, but they know the name of DFW Rock Social Media or Rocks Digital, one of the two, right? Right. And so it helped build my personal brand. Now, I also wrote a book on Twitter, and I launched that at the conference in 2000, I want to say 13. Yeah, 2013, I launched my Twitter book, and I sold like 80 copies at the mm-hmm. event. Yeah. I mean, I only ordered 100 because I did like a whole self-published thing. And I sold like 80 of them while I was there. That's awesome. And so I made my money really, you know, that was all mine. I just, you know, I made the money from that. And then the next year I launched a LinkedIn book and did the same exact thing. Um, And so I got a lot of business that way. I also got a lot of people wanting to hire me for social media coaching 
from um, the conferences. And I still do today. And I also get a lot of uh, speaking requests because of it. And a lot of requests for even paid speaking or training still to this day. And I still do a lot of that. I don't do as much uh, private social media coaching anymore just because I don't have the time and the bandwidth. Um, but I do get a lot of uh, paid speaking and, and other opportunities like that. Uh, did you have any idea the difference? Like, I know, I, I'm asking for it. I had no idea how it would just put a um, different spotlight. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't know if you had any idea. Did you have any idea of what it would change? I had no idea that it would that it would change the dynamics. The thing that I think is interesting because I look at a lot of other people that have events and I'm sad to say it, but there's always, it can bring you a positive spotlight or it can bring you a negative one. I mean, That's true. so if your event is a bomb, then, or you charge a whole lot and you don't give any value and they get there and they're a bunch of sales pitches, then, then you're bringing some negative attention to you. So, so it's awesome and it's exciting if you do it the right way. And for yeah. the right reasons, I know with you and your entrepreneur summit, yes, you, you, of course you want to make some money and grow your brand and get your business, but you did it because you love it. Yeah. And if you do it because you love it, then, then all the other stuff just pays for it for you. And that's what I found in anything I do. Yeah, no. And that's a great point. So talk about, I mean, obviously you've had to have integrity on that stage, the right people in the room and on the stage can you talk about like your speaker selection and how you go, like what's really important to you? Because I always say content's really important. Um, you know, the event is good, but when you're meeting the right people, that's what's going to make you come back year after year to a conference. Like when you're right. like, this is quality. What have you done to ensure that year after year, like I said, speakers, and you always have really quality people at your event too. So first off, there is no selling. At, from the stage period. I make that quite clear from the get-go. I actually have a no profanity policy. Interesting. Um, okay. I know that might sound weird. I tell everybody I want it to be kept PG. Um, and the reason is because that I don't want anybody to feel like they're not welcome to come. And I don't want them to go, oh, I'm not going back next year. That, that guy, he just he burnt my ears. He cussed so much, you know? And so I have a, I have a strict policy about no cussing. I have a strict policy about selling. I tell them if they have an offer that they would like to give to the attendees, like as a handout, they're welcome to do that, but they're not allowed to go over it. They're not allowed to even read it from the stage. Only thing they're allowed to say is, Hey, by the way, if you want to know, learn more about me, I gave you a handout with some information. I'm very specific about it. Um, some other things that I do is honestly, people can pitch all day long to speak at Rocks Digital, but the odds are they're not going to get to speak. Um, I handpick everybody myself. Um, people that I really want to have come, if I haven't met them in person, if I haven't heard them speak, if they haven't came highly recommended from someone like you or Bill Hartzer or another person in the industry, then they don't get to speak until they mock present to me. They actually have to do a fake presentation to me and uh, John Nossel. And depending on who's available, maybe a few others to help vet them. Because I want people that are on their game. Some of my prerequisites, Aaron, are they have to be knowledgeable in their industry. Like they have to be looked to by other people. You can be kind of a dry speaker to me as long as you really know what you're talking about. Right. And you and you can't be nervous in front of the audience. You know, one year I did have one speaker 
and I was really surprised by it, but they actually told the attendee, it was in like a workshop that if they don't know the answer to that, they just Google it. And so the attendee answer, asked a question about um, the difference between a canonical URL and a regular URL. And she's in the speaker. So I actually always just Google when I need to know that. And I was appalled. <laughs> Needless to say, she never spoke on my stage again. And I now actually talk to new people <laughs> and vet them. I'm like, and by the way, we're not allowed to tell anybody to Google an answer if you don't know the answer. If you don't know the answer, that's okay. You can say, hey, I haven't dealt with that situation first. Get with me afterwards. I'd be able to answer that for you. I don't expect you to know every question, but I don't expect you to tell my attendee to Google the answer. It makes you look bad and it makes me look bad. Yeah, exactly. And so, and so I just vet all the speakers that way and I'm really upfront with them. A lot of times I know them personally and have heard them speak somewhere else or, you know, for example, uh, Barry Swartz. I had him a couple years ago. I had never actually heard Barry speak in person, but I've seen Barry a hundred times over on live videos and whatever and he read his writing and I knew he knew his stuff, you know, and then, and so I do sometimes don't get to hear them personally, but there's always a lot of people behind them. I don't just pick them because they have a brand because you could have a hundred million followers on Twitter and be you know, as far as a speaker, I mean, or just be a jerk. I had the jerk situation. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> it, it happens. Now, one time I got to tell you a funny story. This was at, I want to say this was it when it was still DFW rocks and this was 2013 and my speaker actually brought up Paula Dean <laughs> from the stage. And this wasn't a breakout. I think 2013 was when all the Paula Dean stuff was going on, yeah. if I remember right. Yeah. And he actually brought up Paula Dean, and this was like in the full space. All the attendees, there was about 200 or so there, and and he brought up Paula Dean, and I kept trying to give him the time to like save himself, and he just kept burying himself deeper and deeper and deeper. And finally, in the middle of his thing, I, and I was standing on the sidelines, but everybody in the room heard me. I didn't have a mic on. I was just like, change the subject now because I just had I just had to I just had to because it was getting I was afraid the pitchforks were about to come out oh my gosh that's awkward (laughs) yeah it was it was it was interesting and I laugh about it now but I now also remind everybody not to bring up any any uh politics or heated, you know, just like I tell people on social media, people don't want to know what you eat unless you're a chef. They don't want to hear about your politics unless you're a a, a politician and they don't want to know your religion unless you're a minister. Exactly. Well, and it's one of those things like when you're doing it, but you're like, I, I don't have to say this, right? Like it's, it's, it's assumed. And then all of a sudden when it happens, you're like, okay, I guess I got to tell every speaker this from now on. <laughs> and, and that's really what, it, and the, and the gentleman that it happened to, he was actually a really, really good friend of mine. And he told me after, he goes, I kept waiting for you to stop it. Cause I couldn't just fix it. He felt horrible. Oh. But, but the thing is, is, is you don't bring something up like that from a stage in a mixed audience and expect not to have some some kickback. Yeah, exactly. That's a good that's a good tip. I never would have thought to have said or I I've never thought to have like set kind of like I like the no profanity thing because I actually was just talking to an event planner who had a pretty big name on his stage and very foul mouthed. And he kinda yeah. knew it would be, but 
got a lot of complaints about it, just turned off several people. And you have to be, you know, if that's your conference, that's totally cool. But it, it, it affected him in a way he didn't expect to. I just automatically just cleared it from the get go. If I, if I know that they're a, if I've seen him cuss on a live video or in their social media post or any of that stuff, I just, I just clear the air. Hey, I'd love to invite you to speak, but there's no profanity. Can you, can you, can you nip it? Yeah. (laughs) If not, you're not right for us. No offense. Yeah. It's kind of funny because I've built this convert, this relationship because of my no profanity policy. They'll be like, like there was a thing on Facebook. Somebody posted, it said, name one person, you know, that would never cuss. And they'll actually tag me in the comments. And I'm like, guys, you don't know me. (laughs) (laughs) You do not know me. Cause when I was in my twenties, I mean, my family be like, come on, please. I just, I know when it's appropriate and when it's not. That's how I am too. I mean, I'm a sailor mouth, but when I'm on, I just, I, it, I'm not comfortable throwing out an F bomb for shock value or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the thing is, is it doesn't really add to the value in my opinion. It's funny because uh, John Nossel, you know, he's helped me every year plan the conference and he always, he, around the conference time, he says, Oh boy, Lisa's stressed. (laughs) He knows, he knows if I'm dropping F bombs. To clear the path. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about just getting through the stress of the event and the details. I think details are crucial. And I'll, I'll be honest, once again, doing my first couple of, first event, especially, I didn't really understand the full spectrum of details that would be required to take care of. What are some like non-negotiable details for you on your event? And things that you think have made, you know, even just small details that have made a big difference in your event? So for me, um, the biggest thing is, and and it's very tedious, honestly, is I have like a master spreadsheet. Um, Well, it's like a drive doc. That way other people can coordinate it. And it has like all the speaker information on it. It has like their times, their agenda, you know. Pulling an agenda together for the conference is one of the most important things and sticking to it. Along with that and making sure all of your speakers stick Stick to it, it. (laughs) you know, that's one of the most important things. And one of the most uh, complicated things to to even pull the stupid agenda together is a nightmare. You know, you don't, especially if you're going to run breakouts. I don't know. I was going to say, I don't do breakouts. You do breakouts, which is a lot more moving parts. Oh, it, it is. And it's, and it's making sure that like the, um, this guy isn't up against this, this big, you know, one little guy against three big guys or two big guys, because then nobody's going to be in his room, you know, so balancing that agenda. Yeah. So the heavy hitters are against each other. So they have equal playing field and all that. It's, it can be very tedious, but, but I've done it a lot. You know, I've had six years, you know, this last Rocks Digital was the sixth year. And so now it's, it's pretty easy for me to do it. But I would say coordinating the agenda is one of the most important things. And I use a spreadsheet and I put er- I have one spreadsheet with like, and it just goes on and on and on with everything across it. One of the most important things where I think some event planners fail and and it's not because they do it on purpose. It's because they have so many well intentions and they don't get to it is promoting these speakers far enough in advance, you know, um, down to the wire three weeks out, you're starting to promote your event. It, it does not work that way. Now I have to admit, I have actually pulled off a miracle in three weeks and packed a room with a hundred, um, people. But the fact is, is 
I've been doing it a long time. I know a lot of people such as you and Steve Koontz and all these other people that I can just be like, hey, share the news about this event. And so because I've established those relationships, I can pack a venue pretty quickly. But I didn't build those relationships overnight. It takes exactly. time. And so I think the details are really, really important. But I also think partnering with other people, Aaron, such as yourself and, and Steve and all the other local groups, um, if you build a rapport with them, then they will want to support your event. Now, that doesn't mean build a rapport with them that's not genuine. It means you legitimately, you help them, they help you. So, for example, it's a meetup group. They have a monthly meetup. You share that, not once, but repeatedly. So when it's time for them to do something for you, they're willing to do it. They want to, you don't even ask. They volunteer. They're like, hey, what can I do to help you promote Rocks Digital this year? Because you've done it for them over and over and over and over, you know? And that's why, and I'm sure you've seen it, um, I share when I see y'all are doing stuff, you know? Yeah. Hey, this is an awesome event. You need to go check it out. You need to go to this meetup. This speaker's awesome. You need to learn it. Um, because it helps all of us in the long run. And that's no, it, another thing I think with events. I love that tip. Um, what if, cause I think filling your event can be stressful. Uh, I love the partner idea cause I found it, that's helped a lot. Any other tips and tricks for promoting and because you're not just a local conference. I mean, you've got people flying in from all over the world from speakers right. and attendees, how have you promoted that or how has the promotion changed as you've grown from, you know, a local type event to national, international? So, of course, we're going with Facebook ads because yeah. we have to in today's day and age. Uh, but also partnering, again, partnering is a big thing for me. You know, for example, Advice Local, which is CEO, Bernadette Coleman, she owns 50% of Rocks Digital now. I started it originally and when I merged she had another event, the local social in 2014. Oh. And she, ha hers was a one day event, but Rocks Digital was a full conference already under the name DFW Rock Social Media. And so I, um, she merged her event with mine. Well, Advice has a big list because she owns, she's CEO of a big company. And so they have a lot of resellers that sell their products and services. And so we also invite all of the resellers to come from around the world. And she also has a lot of partnerships with companies such as uh, Lex Tenveen. He came from NAVADS this past year to Rock Digital. He came from the Netherlands to speak. That's awesome. And so, and so a lot of that has really helped to grow Rocks Digital is having those kind of, again, partnership relationships. And so a lot of them promoting the event to their audience has really been beneficial. Um, of course, sending to our, to Vice's massive email list, um, I'm trying to think of the other biggest secret. For me, one of the things I do is every speaker, I write an announcement blog post. And I don't like announce them all on the same day. I spread them out. So we had like 40 speakers this last year at Rocks Digital. And so I start making a speaker announcements in March. And I announce every speaker and promote each one of those speakers over and over on all the social medias. And then of course I create promotional images for each one and provide it to them and tag them. And so try to get them to evangelize attending too. Now, not all of them do it. Some don't do it at all or wait to the last minute to do it or whatever. But I also try to get them to help evangelize um, about the event and the fact they're coming and then share with their audience. And that's really helps to drive registrations because a lot of times, you know, for example, so say we have a, 
trying to think of a name this last year. So let's say we have a uh, Dave Carberry. Okay. He's with, let me think he is with, uh, in radius. Yeah. In radius, I think is his company. So Dave has a lot of people here in the, in the Dallas area that he knows that wants to connect with his company. So he would actually, um, say, Hey, I'm going to be in Dallas, you know? And so, and then he actually had people register, um, to the conference just to hear him speak or another speaker, for example, and I'll create a custom um, promotional code for each speaker, um, which is very tedious and time consuming, yeah. you know, through Eventbrite or whatever system you're using and give that to them because in, and that person will get some kind of discount or whatever when they use it. But that helps drive registrations a lot. One of the things that I love planning rocks digital it's so much work though, Aaron. <laughs> so much work. It's, just, it's like, imagine what you think it's going to be for work and then multiply that by a thousand and you might be right. I mean, how much you, work it is. <laughs> you, don't, you don't sleep, you don't, you're dreaming about ticket sales. I joke and say, man, I want to sell, I want to sell out early because I want to, I'm tired of peddling tickets. I feel like a peddler towards the end of the conference. I know. But, I joke and I say, I know my Facebook friends are so glad the conference is over because they don't have to read about it again for another nine months. Right. Because I start feeling like a, a peddler. And and that's the part I, I would say that I detest the most about event planning is, is the peddling of tickets. I want it to be like the first year where I sold out in three weeks and be done with it. <laughs> I agree. I want to sleep the week before the event. That's my goal. <laughs> I always take the week off after. Yes. Like, totally disappear. Um, and you know how everybody wants to email you like right after your event. And, and I'll just, I'll be like, I will not be around to get this email. <laughs> no, and then I, I joke, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but I, I say there's something called conference brain. Okay. Uh, and it's like, you're like in this fog <laughs> and, and you try yeah. to think and you really can't. <laughs> and it comes when the conference is over. And it's there for a couple of weeks. That's why I have to take the week off because I can't think worth anything. You know, they say, don't, they say don't drink and text. Don't do anything after a conference for a week because who knows what you're going to say. That's true. No, I mean, you're so exhausted. And I want to go back to the speakers too because this is what I found is if you say, hey, will you promote this? It's never going to happen, right? Never. So if you, like I write their email to their list. I write all their social. I make them all like I make all. And I don't know if you found the same thing where it's like, I basically hand them everything. And, and even still, it's sometimes like pulling teeth to get them to promote, but it's like, yeah. you have to, and this is where it gets stressful too. You have to do everything for them. Is that what you found too? In oh, I, I, sometimes I even have to write their bios and their presentation descriptions. Okay. I have not had to do that yet. Hell no on that one. Okay. I have, I have actually, it's kind of funny. One of my, uh, my close friends that spoke at rocks digital several times, I'm not going to give her name, (laughs) but, but she'll always procrastinate on her presentation description. And so we'll talk about a topic, you know, when I ask him to speak, it's so that I'll just write it based off of the topic. And I'll be like, by the way, this is what you're talking about. Well, she learned her lesson. She told me she's never going to let me write her presentation descriptions again, because now she has to, do it on what I want. And I'm really good at writing some creative presentation descriptions. That's but, but I'll even get down to writing their descriptions sometimes. Um, wow. Because I'm tired of waiting for it because it's like, okay, 
if I wait any longer to announce you as a speaker, then you might as well not even come at this point. And so I'll write their descriptions. I don't do that as much as I did the first and second. And I would say the first, second and third year, I literally probably wrote 50% of the speaker's descriptions each time. And then um, in 2015, um, I had an, an editor, was it 15 or 16? Maybe 15, I had to write a few, and but I had the team member to help me write them that year. And then 16, my, my writer slash editor, she goes, I'm not writing their descriptions. She goes, I will just snag them until they give it to me. And she did. And they eventually gave them to her because she said, this is ridiculous. We don't, we should not write 42 presentation descriptions. So it's gotten easier though over years and people have gotten better about giving them to me. And also I think that's because I've been able to get attract a higher quality speaker than in the past. Yeah. And they are used to writing their own presentation descriptions. And, and most of the times they already have, you know, two or three that they might mesh together or change around and then send it off to an editor. So it's gotten easier, but that is wrangling speakers can be a nightmare. You know, I want to, I want to go back to for a second. You mentioned something about getting them to post on social media is Mm -hmm. so what I do, and this gets my other speakers to really want to do it is so the ones that really will post about it and evangelize it, I post about them more. Oh, that, okay. People need to understand the, uh, I'll scratch your back if you, or you scratch my back, I'll scratch your type of thing. Like even getting speakers to come to your event, like go attend the event absolutely, and then apply to be a speaker. Guaranteed you're going to have a better chance of getting up on that stage, but that's a great tip. Keep going. Um, I'll always, so for example, I'll always have uh, three or four speakers every year that'll really promote that they're coming. They're really excited. And so I'll talk about them coming more and I'll also promote them more at the conference. I'll be like, well, you know what? I saw her talking on Facebook and alive about being here at rocks digital. I got a little sneak into her presentation. You need to check it out. And the more that I support them, the more other people are like, I want that. What do I get to do to do that? And they'll even ask me and I'll be like, well, you know what? I saw her post on LinkedIn five times and she did a Facebook live about being here and she tweeted about it. And you know, if you want some more, you want some more love from us, then you give us some love. And I know that might sound tacky, but it's not, it's no, you you can only do so much. You know, I actually have people that want to come to rocks digital every year because of how much I promote them online. They'll want to come because they saw me promote, Jane Doe so much the prior year and they want a little bit of that. And so, and so I get a lot of that too, Aaron, but it is getting speakers. I love all my speakers and I've been really lucky, but they're just busy and, and they all mean, well, it's not that they're not posting it because they don't want to support you. They mean, they mean, well, they're just busy. They're busy. They they forget. Um, I'll even like Facebook. I'm like, if I still have, I'll be like, Hey, you know, I'm doing a really big push this week and I'd like to be able to feature you. Is there any chance you can make sure and post about it? You know, and I'll even prompt them that way. It's, it's like babysitting. It is like baby. And you got to ask, I mean, and it just, but it's, I, I think it's such a great tip too, from the be like, get back with, get back with the bio, with the picture. Be, and if you're that speaker that really is excited and helping out 
you're going to get asked again and again and again. And like I said too, so this is so funny. We're just talking about this whole kind of concept. I was having, I was with a mastermind of um, other event planners and I said, you guys, am I being petty about this? <laughs> I said, you can tell me if I am. But if somebody wants to speak on my stage, like, and let's say I have two people that are pitching me to speak on my stage, same exact, con- like one for one, right? Right. But one person is, has come to my event, has paid for a ticket, has supported me, has helped me promote. They're getting on the stage. No, I mean, no questions asked. I'm going to help that person. And I'm like, am I being petty for that? They're like, nope, we all do it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. I have a few people, Aaron. So I'm pretty strict about not having the same person come every year. Right. But I have a select group of four or five people that I always find a place for them, whether it's now I don't necessarily let them speak because I right. can't have the same people every year. Exactly. But, uh, Byron has spoke, you know, Byron Ingram, Byron yeah. has spoke one year. Byron is MC to track. Brian, Byron has done a workshop. Byron has done a, you know, so I'll just find ways to move the ones that are the loyals around John Nossel he speaks every year he helps with the conference I mean he works exactly he works his tail off the whole time but he always speaks you know and I'll move him too. like this last year he did a workshop or you know and and Robin Moss she spoke multiple times you know and and Patty Farmer every year she's available she speaks and it might be a workshop or a breakout or a rocks talk or or the big stage or because I want to support them you know and and if they're, um, if they help me and they're, I, I would do it anyway, but it's a mutual relationship. You know, Bernadette, she always does something. Bernadette actually usually uh, moderates the same panel every year because she likes to, to, to do the panels. but sometimes she'll do a panel and a talk or, you know, whatever. But I always try to bring those, those select few back and have them involved in some way. Um, and one thing I wanted to give, I forgot to mention this earlier. So you mentioned how hard it is to coordinate breakouts, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it is, it is, you know, getting them to end on time, hurting people into the rooms, you know, all that. So I actually have an MC for each room when I ha- run breakouts and that, and their responsibility is to introduce the speaker, help them get their laptop set up, help them get the mic on. And if they have a technology issue, then they send a text message to John who runs all the tech support for the conference. And John has two other helpers that either him or the two other people will go into the breakouts and provide support to the MC to get the speaker going. And that's how I get breakouts um, moving along easily is because that I have the MC. So if you ever want to do it, definitely get an MC and try to pick some that are tech savvy. Right. No, and that's a great tip too, just on having, you've got your MC, you've got the tech person, they've got two to three people they can rely on for help because if there's two tech issues that go down at one time, they can't be you know everywhere. It's a great tip of just the coordination of behind the scenes. And again, you don't think of all this, but uh, it comes up and then you're like, ah. I need and a lot of people want to volunteer. Yes. And, but you have to be selective with your volunteers too, even, you know, I don't know if you have a lot of volunteers at your events or not, Aaron, yeah. do you? Uh, semi, like uh, enough, but uh, solely to grow. But that's, a, somebody mentioned being careful with volunteers because some people just want to attend and right. then they really don't volunteer. <laughs> yeah, I pick, um, so I have um, two to three live bloggers at the conference every year. That's a great tip, Yeah. And then I have two people that live tweet. And then this last year I added a live streamer, not yeah. to stream the whole conference. Cause I don't want, I don't want people streaming my event. 
I even actually announced that in my general announcements. Hey, if you want to give like a glimpse of the speaker talking for a few seconds, you're welcome to do so. But we're, but you paid to be here. Those people on Facebook or wherever, they didn't. So they don't need access to the event. That's great tip. And, and so, but I had a live streamer just to like interview speakers and give teasers to get people to want to come each year. So I'll have two live tweeters, three live bloggers, if, if I can find three people that'll blog. And these are all volunteers. They don't get paid for it. I'll have uh, two, tech, two additional tech support people. And then I'll have two volunteers at the registration in addition to the person that's actually coordinating the registration desk, which is usually someone that has assisted me or helped me um, throughout the entire event. So they know all the details and, and that really makes a big difference. I like to also have, if possible, a uh, kind of an ambassador or a conference ambassador. It just kind of answers people's questions, you know, yeah. mingles with people, keeps people talking and that kind of thing too. And I, that's really rocks digital. It's a lot of work, but I don't do it by myself. I have a lot of people that help make it happen. You have, you have to, uh, otherwise you'd, need seven weeks off afterwards. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. All right. So la the last tip. So I love to get a tip. You've got somebody is listening. They really want to do an event. More than likely, they know they don't know everything about events. They're scared. What's the one tip or, or piece of advice you have for them? So that's a tough hundreds <laughs> of them, Aaron. So, so I think the one piece of advice I have for them is I really have two. They kind of go together. Go for so, it. So make sure that you're not doing an event that everybody else is doing. Okay. Like you yeah. have to have your own spin on it, your own niche. Make sure that you plan your event when everybody else is not having an event, preferably um, not on the same topic within the same month, if possible. Like you don't want to have an event, a digital marketing conference the month before somebody else is having theirs. Exactly. Or, you know, because, and you also don't want to book your speakers. This is really a speaker tip. I always tell all my speakers that um, I prefer if they didn't give their talk on the same topic the month of, the month before, the month after in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's a great tip. Because why would they go to a meetup where they can make $3 you know, why would they go to a conference and go to a meetup instead and pay three bucks? Exactly. So that's another thing that I think is really important to get clear with your speakers. And, but make sure your event's not when somebody else's is. I mean, it's just, you can't always prevent it. But do yeah. everything in your power to prevent it and to avoid it. No, it's true. It's, it's very true. Cause it's nerve. Like the first year I did it three months out. So I, I knew it was going to not very likely an event was going to come up last year. I did it like 10 months out and you're just praying. Like I connected with a lot of people I knew who kind of had that event around the same time. I'm like, I don't want to step on your toes. When is yours? And I tried to figure that out because it is nerve wracking. If you put that deposit down, if you've got speakers booked and then all of a sudden somebody announces their event too. And you're like, crap, I did not. Yeah. Yeah. It, it happens. And it so, does. And so partnering with those events, um, you know, for example, State of Search is a local search conference. It's in Dallas and it's always in this year. They were in October, but they're normally in November. Well, Rocks Digital is during the summer. And, and so instead of being competitive with them and they're promoting their conference sales at the same time I'm promoting mine and people will be like, well, why should I go to your event versus State of Search or vice versa? 
And I'll just tell them, hey, this is not an either or. Both of these events are valuable. If you don't have the budget to go to both of them, pick the one that you think has the most, the most knowledge that you need to learn. And, and that way I'm neutral. I look like the shining star because I really am neutral. And I also partner with like state of search. Like I, like they'll promote rocks digital and I'll be like, Hey, right after my conference is over, you send me your whatever. And I'll promote you like crazy divide attendees. You know, I'll even tell people from the stage at my conference, Hey, all of y'all need to go to state of search register right now and partner with them instead of making it like a competition. Very good. And, and, and that really helps both events. I mean, I've even had an event a week, bef- a week after Tony Sakalas. I'm not kidding. Um, oh. Multiple years ago, his ETC Dallas was like June 17th. It was the, I want to say the second Rocks Digital or mm-hmm. the second DFW Rocks. It was, it was literally like a week before mine. And people would ask me, they're like, well, why should I go to your event instead of Tony's? Our price point was like exactly the same, right? And I'm like, well, you shouldn't pick mine or Tony's. I'm like, oh, by the way, did you know Tony's one of my speakers? Yeah. I'm like, you don't need to pick. I'm like, Tony's price is so affordable. Go to his event. I'll give you a discount code. You can register for mine if you want to go to both. Or and just take that approach with it. And and then people will likely go to both. And by the way, Tony actually. I've even let him put like promotional stuff in my bags for his conference because it doesn't hurt me. The more the merrier, the more like the more people are that are attending these events, the more success there is. It's for the overall good of everything. Like it, it, I agree, it's not a competition. Exactly. And that and that will really help people in the long run promote their event. I love it. Well, thank you so much for this. So many incredible tips. I mean you've been doing this for you know so many years it's great to to know the progress it's great for that first person you will want to do another event i promise uh if you're in the middle of it if somebody wanted to find out more about rocks digital where can they go so they can literally go to rocksdigital.com and that's r o c k s just digital.com i didn't mention this aaron but over the years it's grown from more than just an event we actually publish uh, three yes, to five yeah. times a week on digital digital marketing topics. And that also helps drive people to want to come to the conference every year. That's a great tip. If you go to their website, it's, it's a full-blown c- blog. I mean, you've got great information on there all the time. I love it. So Rock Digital, we're going to have that on our notes page. Thank you so much for the season. I mean, this was incredible. It great topic. And typically, I know, I don't know if you have the dates exactly set for 2018, but typically right, right around end of June, early July, correct? Yeah. It's always, it's always on social media day is June 30th of every year. Mm -hmm. And so since I originally founded it to celebrate social media day, I always have it right around that date. I actually think this year, social media day is on the 30th. And I think I'm actually first year, I'm actually going to do the 27th or the, it's like the 28th and the 29th instead. Okay. Um, I think this year, just because that so close to the 4th of July, yeah, you push in those weekends. That's the tough thing. That That is the hard part for rocks digital every year because it's tied to social media day. Um, my advice is if you're going to have an event, in the, my future advice is don't tie it to, it's awesome to tie it to a day like that, but don't tie it to one near a holiday. Yeah. Great tip. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll have all the information on our notes page. So if you want to check out rocks digital, like I said, it's not just an event. There's a ton of great content on there all about local social and mobile. And I know that's what your uh, event ties to. So thank you so much for today. 
Thank you so much, Aaron. I had so much fun. And I, when's your next event? Uh, TBD. Oh, it's TBD. Yeah. Well, so. I want to tell everybody listening that when Aaron has her next Entrepreneur Summit, y'all need to go because it's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, it's Aaron's from the Epic Live Events, and hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Now, I would love to help you with your live event. And how we're going to do that is by offering you our free live events budget worksheet. Listen, events take a lot of resources, whether it's time, money, or a little bit of both. Uh, you've got to figure out a way to really utilize this in your business to make your money back. So this spreadsheet has both sides, the different costs you may potentially have, how you can fill those in. You can just you know, fill in whatever number, estimates, call some people, get an understanding of what it may cost you to put this event or different ways. Um, you can save some money. And then of course, on the other side, how are you gonna make money back? Are you going to sell at the event? Are you going to sell tickets? Are you going to get sponsorship? Are there going to be different things that you can utilize in order to begin to make your money back? And this is a spreadsheet that will help you kind of, I'm a spreadsheet girl. That's how I think all the time, but this will help you really start putting the concept to paper or how can you do better in your, in your next event and, you know, really make sure that bottom line, because as much as I would love to do events for free, I can't like it's it's a resource heavy thing, but I promise you so, so worth it. So you can find that you can go to our show notes over at epicliveevents.co. That's C-O. You can also get it in the notes of this episode or jump over to bit, B-I-T dot Lee dot L-Y slash epic underscore budget. Again, that's bit dot Lee slash epic underscore budget. And you can grab that, like I said, for free start the planning. And I'm telling you, it's so worth it every single bit.